What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, and we are back for not only an episode, but a guest episode. And I feel like this was just such a fun conversation. Like, I feel like it's one of my favorite episodes we've done in a while because I feel like the three of us just vibed so much. Mm -hmm. So today we sat down with Emma Bachner, and she's co-founder and CEO of Catalyst 20, which is a digital hub for activism, super cool newsletter that's really kind of making all of the news and the content that's out there more digestible, specifically for Gen Z and millennial women, which we love. So really cool to sit down with a social impact entrepreneur, chat with her about everything that they're working on, ways that she stays organized, all of the good stuff you can expect from a TDH guest episode. And yeah, you'll definitely want to stick around. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I think we had you know a great rapport among the oh, three of us. Love a rapport. <laughs> love a rapport. Um, but yeah, it was one of my definitely one of my favorite recent guest episodes because we were able to just like talk about like we talked about whether what a bones and a no bones day is in the ten minute version of All Too Well, and like those Sex are always my favorite when we get yeah. yeah when we get to chat. All of our guests are great. Don't get me wrong, but it's great when you get to go on like little tangents too. So I think it'll be a fun episode to listen to for sure. Yes. But before we get into that, you know what we got to do? Our segments. So let's kick it off with the week in review. So when we're recording this, it's the first week that there has been the time change, the dreaded time change. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> Literally, like, cue all the sound effects because it's really got me down, I must say. It's mostly just because I'm realizing, like, there's so long of this. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is only the beginning. Yeah. Um, but for those of you unfamiliar with the way this works in New England is it's dark at, like, 4.30. Like, <laughs> actually <laughs> dark. Not even, like, getting dark. Not twilight. Like, pitch black. Dark. <laughs> yeah. And so that means when you leave the office or you log off from working from home, it's already nighttime. It's dark. So, <laughs> tragic. Um, and, yeah, I was talking to my boyfriend Grant about this and he was, like – he was literally, like, is there legislation? Like, he was, like, can I write someone? <laughs> like, he just, like, so fundamentally disagrees with the fact that this exists. And I was, like, honestly, so true. And then I was talking to this girl today and she was actually talking about kind of, like, the – climate change like implications of Mm. us changing the clocks and like how we consume so much more energy just by like society needing to have all of our lights on for like an additional hour for like that part of the year and all this stuff and I was like yeah I've never even thought of that but that's so true Um, so if you're one of the people who actually benefits please reach out because I don't know anyone that benefits (laughs) from this I mean I guess if you're like a really early bird and like it's nice to not wake up in the dark but like take one for the team and like just let us all have like an hour more of light I don't know tragic yeah but fair enough i think there's yeah, a state there that is. doesn't is it arizona. arizona yeah they just like simply object which i love they are ahead of it i love it <laughs> but i always think about how like you know like we grew up right on the border of like mass and new hampshire right and i always think about yeah. how there's gotta be people that live on like i don't know new mexico and arizona what's close yeah i, I think i think new mexico so it's like what if you live in new mexico and your dentist is in arizona like you have to think about the fact that like you're not on the same like, you have to think – if you change your clocks, you know what I mean? Like, you're an hour different. That must be so confusing. Someone write in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah please. 
Anonymous like suggestion point- box down below. <laughs> yeah. The point oh one percent of listeners from Arizona, please let us know how this works logistically because I would like to implement it in Massachusetts. Anyway, this week I went to a mall groundbreaking. Wow. It was the first time that I've been to like a very classic mall in a while. I know Kylie and I stopped at the Cambridge Side Galleria, but we didn't really look, look yeah. around. So I went to the Natick Mall. For those of you from the area, no, this mall, chef's kiss, Ugh, it's a legendary so mall. Like such, and you guys like doubt it. Literally look at the store list. No. Like <laughs> one of the best malls that exists ever. And it's also It's just, like a euphoric experience. Truly. And it's so nice. It's like everything is beautiful. There's like art. It's like, it's great. Yeah. So I went there <laughs> because I was trying to find a specific dress um, to wear to my makeup graduation this weekend, which is coming up literally 18 months later. And I was not very successful. And I think I'm just realizing, like, because we were distanced from the in-person shopping experience for so long, I think it just, like, Mm -hmm. really overwhelms me. And, like, I'm not Mm. able to, like, do things in, like, an order that makes sense. Like, I don't know why my strategy going into it was, like, I'm going to look at every store and, like, remember if I liked something at every store before, like, making a decision, which, like, I literally ended up being there for, like, five hours. Like, that's just, like, exhausting. Mm-hmm. But I do get myself some little hand sanitizers at Bath and Body Works, so I'll call it a success. <laughs> and it was just interesting. Like I literally felt like I was in like a fever dream. Like I haven't been to a mall in so long. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, everything was already like holiday style too, which was fun. Yes, I've noticed but, that. I love it. Yeah. So like I alluded to, my makeup graduation is this weekend. Yes. I guess I'm excited. I don't know. <laughs> like it's just it'll be fine. Weird. Yeah, and I feel like. For you, it was more exciting because number one, it wasn't as distanced. It was just like a year yeah. later. And yeah. also like it was really like a reunion to like your college town, it seemed like. Yes. Whereas like for me, like I'm here anyway. Like, I don't know. Not, yeah. I think it'll be cool to like be back on campus, I guess, and like see people that maybe I haven't seen in a while. But also Northeastern such a big school that like I might just go to the ceremony and like not see any of my friends anyway. Like, yeah, I don't know. true. I'm doing it because like it's not hard and like I'm here and it feels like I should for like the pomp and circumstance of it all but anyway I'll let you guys know how it is next week I was looking for a dress for graduation and I did not find one because apparently they don't sell cute white dresses in November shocking what the heck yeah so anyway <laughs> stores take note <laughs> um for my week in review I just want to quickly remind everyone that you should never underestimate the power of a do-nothing weekend And this comes from someone who, like, is very much, like, I enjoy a good do-nothing moment. Like, I need, whether it's just an afternoon or a whole weekend, I need some time in my week to just do nothing. Veg out. Read a book. Binge watch a TV show. Whatever it may be. And I really hadn't had that all of October because I was going away during the weekends and then I would obviously work during the week. And listen, I had a great October. It was seriously so fun. And I think that everything that happened in October like came at a time when I really needed to like be surrounded by my friends and getting out of the house and having lots of fun and like doing all that. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. But this past weekend, I didn't have any plans besides Anya and I went to a concert, but that was on a Thursday night. Um, So like the traditional... That happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the traditional Friday to Sunday, I had no plans and I did nothing. And you know what? It was freaking fabulous. And I had a great time and I would do it again. And you know what? I might even do it again this upcoming weekend. So as you should take time for yourself, besties. Take time. To yeah, we nothing. did go. We did go to a concert and it did kind of freak me out because I know your next point. 
um, you're going to talk about Osterworld a little bit. And yes. it did kind of freak oh, me out, like, idea. how soon, like, those events occurred. Like, we yeah. were not at a comparable concert at all. Like, not at all. A really An acoustic set at the House of Blues. <laughs> yeah, but still, not like, Osterworld. you know, I think – I think it was um, House of Blues max capacity is like 2,500 people. And I think that's like enough yeah. people to create a dangerous environment if like the – if that, you know, vibe were to breed. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. yeah. We saw Noah Kahan. Listen to him if yeah. you don't. He's great. He was he's like – Yeah, it was the biggest concert he's ever played and he was like so grateful and cute. He was, it was so amazing. cute. But and he actually anyway. got sick. At, I don't know. We I follow him on Instagram now. Yeah. He got sick and had to cancel the two shows after the boxing <gasps> show. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Good thing yeah. he didn't cancel ours. <laughs> I know. I know. But he's because of modern. He, he, this was literally his caption. It was like, "Modern medicine has saved me and made me more attractive." <laughs> I was like, "What is going on?" What? Like in parentheses, it was like, "Modern medicine has saved me, and I can go on with the show, and it's made me more attractive," or something like that. He's like, he's just he's, he's trolling us all. Yeah, he's trolling us all. Um, on a more anyways. serious note. On a more serious note, yeah, I did want to bring up Astral World just because, I mean, it's been everywhere on my, like, mm-hmm. For You page, and TikTok is my main source of news these days. Um, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm also not. But, except for Catalyst 20. Except for Catalyst 20. Um, but, yeah, so if you don't know what's going on, there was this Astral World festival hosted by Travis Scott. I know, like, Drake was there, SZA was there, like, a bunch of big artists. And during Travis Scott's set, um, apparently they were way over capacity. People were jumping the fences at security, getting into there. And so there was a huge crowd surge and it led to hundreds of people being injured, many of them being hospitalized. And unfortunately, I believe it's eight confirmed deaths. I think it might be up to 11. Is it up to 11? I thought I heard that too, but I wasn't sure. So anywhere between eight and 11 deaths. Um have occurred because of this and so I have a couple of opinions number one like I feel like the argument that I keep seeing a lot on TikTok especially is like is Travis Scott is the performer at a concert at all responsible for things that like the crowd does or like unsafe crowd situations yeah yeah and I keep going, I don't even necessarily keep going back and forth. I understand that, like, in a crowd of 50,000 people, can you expect an artist to, like, pick out anyone who, like, could be passing out or, like, could be injured? No. Like, that is a lot of people to, like, vet through. You're performing. Like, I I mean, I've never performed in front of a crowd, but I imagine that there's a sense of, like, adrenaline and, like, surrealism almost that, like, disconnects you a little bit. Um But on the other hand, the only other time I remember hearing of, like, mass casualties at a concert was when Ariana Grande's concert was bombed. And (laughs) the Vegas shooting. And the Vegas shooting. But again, those were, like, extraneous factors that unfortunately led to people's death. It wasn't just because of a crowd getting out of hand. So part of me is, like, so how did that happen? And, like... I also saw that, like, there was an ambulance literally in the crowd yeah. and Travis Scott pointed it out on stage and Kylie Jenner posted it on in, like, a pan of the crowd to her Instagram story, which was incredibly tone deaf yeah. and disrespectful and, like, just awful in my opinion. And 
Yeah, and I think another thing, too, though, that's kind of pissing me off is, like, all the conspiracy theories around it. And it kind of reminded me of when we were talking about um, Gabby Petito. I said her last name right, right? Yeah. Petito. Um, And how people were, like, speculating what had happened to her when there was still an open case. Like, at the end of the day, these were, like, actual legitimate people who lost their lives because of, like, a horrible circumstance. And so to then, like, take that and twist it into like all of these conspiracy theories for your own entertainment is just like really messed up to me. Like maybe it was a satanic ritual. We literally won't know, but like if my friend or family member had died at this festival and I just saw people like speculating like, Oh, they were sacrificed to the devil. I would be pissed and I would, it would just make me 10 times more upset. So I think that it is pretty disrespectful towards these victims you know surviving family and friends um to like be speculating in that way I think the only real and like respectful thing to do is hold the artist and the people who are running this festival and the security at this festival accountable because they are ultimately the ones that are responsible for this like you can't really yeah. place the blame on anyone but them and the people who came in that didn't have tickets yeah so Literally couldn't agree more. And I think for me, it's kind of spurred up a lot of anxiety around like Mm. big crowds and Mm -hmm. um, like how real a crowd crush or like a stampede situation can be and like out of your own control. And I was doing a little bit of research on it and like I ran into some um, articles about the Hillsborough disaster, which was Mm -hmm. uh, a crowd crush that ended up killing almost 100 people back in like the late 80s um, at a soccer game. And like it just really goes to – makes you think about, like, you know, the stuff that you attend and I don't know. It makes me nervous and it sucks that it has to be that way. But um, yeah. anyway, do your research. I found some articles about, like, how to stay safe in, like, a crowd crush situations. Maybe we can link nice. one below. Yeah. Um, Just to know how to, like, keep yourself safe if, like, ever, God forbid, you're in a situation like that. But, yeah. Glad we talked about yeah. this, though. Important. Yeah. Our hearts go out to – the people who were there, number one, and, you know, the families of everyone that was injured or who unfortunately passed because of everything. Because I can't imagine, like, sending off your friend or family member to a concert and them not coming back. Like, concerts are very much, like, a safe haven to yeah, me. And, like, a very, like... supposed to be. Yeah, like a comfort place almost. So that's very scary. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no. And if anyone wants to chat with, like, if anyone just needs to, like, vent their heart out about it, feel free to DM us. We'll be happy to chat. Be a listening ear. Definitely. All right, let's move into our favorites. So Kylie got a little taste of my favorite this week um, when she came over for the concert and it is a YouTube channel, just general like social media personality that I found and her name is Cecilia Blomdahl, I believe is how you pronounce it. So she is Swedish, I believe, but what makes her super interesting is that she lives on Svalbard, which is a pretty small island close to the North Pole and um, she just like vlogs her life there and for some reason, I find these videos like absolutely fascinating and like I'm so interested in how her life works there because it's such a remote and like hostile place but she makes it look so beautiful and she has so much appreciation for like everything about it which I I so admire like obviously she chooses to live there for a reason like she could live anywhere she wanted but I just think it's so amazing that like 
a harsh environment like that can be so beautiful and like offer so many benefits. Like, you know, at one point someone asked her about like the polar night. So like she lives in like the part of the world where like it's light for six months and dark for six months. Mm -hmm. And like someone asked her about like, what is it like to have it be dark for six months? Like how terrible, like what do you do to get through it kind of thing? And she was like, honestly, like we just appreciate it for what it is. Like it's a time like where the community really comes together in like a beautiful way to like support each other and like everything kind of slows down and like you take time for yourself. And I was like, oh my God, like just to have that attitude, I feel like it's so amazing. And her videos are really like cinematic, I guess I would say. So like she does a really good job of having like cinematic shots and then like vlog Mm -hmm. shots so you could just like literally see how it is to live in like the actual Arctic. And then some like history too. Like she talks about like the town and how it was founded to be like a coal mining town and it's just so interesting to me and I really like, um, I guess, just like travel content in general. So I don't even know how I stumbled upon it, but highly recommend checking her out. She also has a TikTok um, and an Instagram and her dog is really, really cute. So yeah, I'm obsessed. Like literally, I haven't watched any – like I've been kind of off my YouTube game. Like I kind of haven't mm-hmm. watched the people that I normally watch lately. I've only been watching her. <laughs> oh my god. Her – um, what's her boyfriend's name? Christopher? Christopher, yeah. Yeah, he's a king. He's a literally a, king. a man of few words, but a king. <laughs> yeah, he's just always in the background. And literally, I think the most entertaining part of the whole thing is that they have to carry a gun anytime they go outside because there's a risk of polar bears and like self defense. But then every time you enter a business, like the first thing you see is like a locker to like lock up your weapon. Like I'm like, what is this place? Like I'm so <laughs> fascinated. Like it's insane. So check it out. Yeah. So for my favorite this week, I actually was going to talk about something different. So I'll save that for next week. But in uh, our conversation with Emma, we were talking about planners. And I realized that I haven't brought up the planner that I've been using recently. I don't think I have at least. I hope this isn't a repeat favorite. But I found it's called the Dash Planner. And it's a website. And she sells like actual like planners that you can buy and you download them um to the good notes app on your ipad if you have an ipad like me and so they are compatible with good notes but she has a ton of free templates as well so i decided to like play around with some of the free templates and sort of create like a custom planner for myself in my good notes app that kind of combines like traditional planner like productivity spreads as well as like more like journaling spreads and I am obsessed I talk about in the episode how uh the like planner spread has a work to-do list and a personal to-do list it has like room for self-care has room for you to write out your schedule put like goals and top priorities for the day and then there's like a journal section that has you like fill in like the weather, how you're feeling that day. And then it has like a whole section that's like, today I worked on, today I accomplished, today I enjoyed, today I saw, like all of that fun stuff. So it's a bit more like, um, like journaling at the end of the day. And I am obsessed. So I will link it down below. Obviously, if you're like into her like full planners, then definitely I think it's worth buying it. And I'm probably going to end up buying a full planner at one point. But so far I find her free templates to be really fun. And it's been like a very productive way of like planning and journaling for me recently. Yeah. And I feel like even if you don't have an iPad, you can like still kind of draw inspiration from like the way it's set up if you oh, want to yeah. like put it in your bullet journal or like whatever it is that yeah. you do. So for sure. Cool. For sure. All right. Let's move into our main interview. I know you guys are going to love this one. So here yes. we go. Woo. 
If you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diosti in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. All right, so moving into the main episode segment here, we're really pumped to be interviewing Emma Bachner. So Emma is co-founder and CEO of Catalyst 20, which is a digital hub for activism. Catalyst 20 curates action items and resources to help make people make an impact. Their mission is to increase the awareness of an engagement with critical social issues among Gen Z, that's us, and millennial <laughs> women, drowning out all the noise and making it part of your weekly routine. Emma is also a badass 24-year-old social impact entrepreneur living in New York City, so really excited to get to know her and learn about everything Catalyst 20 is working on. And yeah, how are you doing, Emma? What's going I, on? I'm amazing. I love that intro. Can you send me a copy of that so I can like <laughs> use that as my bio in every love job and on my LinkedIn? That was awesome. <laughs> um, I'm doing well, thanks. It's Tuesday, but it honestly feels like it's later in the week. I don't know if I'm the only one who feels that way. Maybe because it's every daylight week, savings. Bestie. Well, every week, yes. But <laughs> it's also like pitch black. And yes. it's also a Bones Day. I don't know if you guys are on that side of TikTok. It so, is um, Bones Day. Okay, can you just tell me what that means? Like, I feel yeah. like I'm embarrassed that I don't know because I've been seeing it everywhere, but I don't actually know what it means. Yeah, quick Bones Day lesson before yes. we jump into <laughs> yes, the interview. Please. Important. There is a pug on TikTok. His name is Noodle. He is 13 years old, and his owner every morning grabs him in his dog bed and lifts him up. And when he puts him down, if he puts him down and the dog stands up on his own, it's a bones day because the dog woke up with bones. However, if he lifts him up and the dog just flops back down into his bed, it is a no bones day because the dog woke up with no bones. So bones days, they're very productive. If you have a big purchase that you've been putting off, make the purchase, get through the to-do list, buy yourself a coffee and let's get the ball rolling. That's a bones day. A no bones day, you're going to light a candle. You're going to put on a sheet mask, right? You're going to have the Yule log on your TV while you get your work done. If you don't get through the whole to-do list, that's a-okay. It's a no bones day. You're just trying to make it through. So today is a bones day, which I feel like bones days are very draining. Yeah. And they're very like, 
you accomplish a lot in a bones day or you aim to accomplish a lot in a bones day. So then you get, you know, really tired by the end of it all. Do I live my whole life by what this dog does in his dog bed in the morning? Yeah, I do. <laughs> but like a school of thought, it, honestly. I mean, the it, way you explained like, that was truly is. magical and convincing. And I am like, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, yeah I've seen the videos. He's so good. I just, I didn't know if Bones Day was good or Bones Day was bad. Like, I wasn't sure if Bones were like constraints yeah. versus like, I don't know. No, but, no. Okay. I get it. Literally today, he was like, uh, his owner was like, you should hang up the pictures that you have sitting on your floor today. And I literally, like, that is what made this happen because I had all of these sitting on my floor. And I was like, fine, I'll hang them up because it's That's a amazing. Day. Kylie so is they referring look great, to her so. gallery wall for those of us that can't oh, see. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot everyone. this is an audio medium. My bad. <laughs> anyway. Um, anyways. Anyway. Jumping into the interview. Yes. Um, we want to ask you a little bit about your college experience. So could you just tell us a little bit about it, where you went to school, what you majored in, all of that fun stuff? Yes, I would love to. I went to the University of Texas in Austin, Hook'em Horns. Um, I majored in communication and leadership, which is a funny sounding degree. But when I heard about it, I was excited (laughs) because... Um, it was an interdisciplinary degree in the comm school. So it sort of had like a liberal arts lens through which we studied communications, which I thought was a cool way um, to, you know, major. And I had a great experience down in Austin. Does leadership mean like like CEO leadership or more like world scale or like as a concept? Like, like, like so all of the above. So like mm. we did a lot of seminars um, studying practices of ethical leadership and yeah. like leadership theories and how it pertains to communications and like running successful, sustainable organizations and companies. That's so cool. I yeah. feel like more people need to study that kind of thing because mm-hmm. we would end up yeah. with a lot – fewer like bad managers and like toxic CEOs and that kind of stuff. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to have that framework um, of learning about like the actual application. Um, That was like a a through line throughout the curriculum because a lot of what we learned was via case studies, which I thought was really Mm. interesting and helpful. So everything had like a practical um, tilt. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it sounds like you had a good experience at UT Austin, but I'm always curious to talk to people, especially that went to like Southern schools, because mm-hmm. everyone knows both Kylie and I went to school in Massachusetts, and I feel like it's just a very different experience. So I'm curious to hear how everything was. I know you're from the Northeast, right? So did you have like yes. any culture shocks? Like, <laughs> I had total culture shock. I'm from New Jersey. I didn't know anyone that lived in Texas or that went to college in Texas, so I was a total fish out of water when I got down there. It was 100 degrees, so hot when I moved in my freshman year in August. I was, like, shocked. Um, So that was definitely something to get adjusted to, just the weather. But then, you know, when the winter months rolled around and it was, like, mild, I was thrilled. Um, And then in terms of the actual culture itself, I was lucky to live in Austin Um, I don't know if either of you have ever been or anyone who's listening has ever been, but it's a really cool town that when I was there, my freshman year was 2015. So it was sort of more up and coming. Now it's more so like an established city sort of, 
Um, a lot of like tech companies are mm-hmm. headquartered down there, but that was just kind of felt like it was beginning when I was also beginning in Austin, which was cool to kind of see the growth of the city. Um, but people definitely wear cowboy boots. People drive pickup trucks. You can legally sit in the bed of the pickup truck while it is driving. Oh. So like <laughs> I would, I could call an Uber with my friends if we were going, you know, to the football game that was like very far away and we would hop in the bed of the pickup truck. So that wow. was definitely a culture shock <laughs> coming from Northern New Jersey. No one did that there. Um, <laughs> so it was cool. Um, and I know like in the, in the news and like, there's a lot of stigma sort of with like the politics of the state of Texas. Um, but Austin is sort of like a blue dot in a red sea, which sort of helped with the culture shock, I would say. And it helped ease me in to living out of state. Yeah, I was just gonna say that I'm picturing like sitting in the bed of your like pickup truck Uber (laughs) in like the freezing cold in Massachusetts. (laughs) How like horrible that would be going to the bar. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but I've heard I've never been to Austin, but I've always wanted to go. I hear that it's like such an amazing city. And I imagine that it was so cool to be able to go to school down there. Um, But I am curious, what is something that you're really glad that you did in school and while you were down in Austin, even if it has to do with like the fact that it was sort of an emerging city while you were there? Yep. And then what is something that you wish you did? That's such a good question. Um, Something that I'm really glad that I did when I was at UT Austin was take advantage of the city. So it's unique in that it's a campus school, but it's in a city. Um, so I was able to kind of get the best of both worlds. Like I could sit on the grass and, you know, study and have that like collegiate feeling, but then I would also be able to, you know, go downtown and feel like a real person, so to speak, an adult living in a city. So I was really lucky to be able to take advantage of that. And I'm glad that I, you know, went to concerts and went to, you know, different outdoor parks and areas and took advantage of the city. That was something that I'm really glad that I was able to do. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely relate because I went to school in Boston and uh, Northeastern is similar. Like it's one of the only schools in Boston that has a campus, um, but just in the city. So definitely relate. Um, And now for the hard question, something you wish you did, or I guess just like a regret in general. Yeah. If you can think of one. That's tough. Um, I don't know if I have any regrets per se, but I, so I joined a sorority when I, was in college and it never felt like something that was totally me. Um, So the good part of it was that I was able to make amazing friends that I still have wonderful friendships with to this day. But um, systemically, it isn't something that I am personally proud to have been a part of. But I, I don't know that I necessarily wouldn't have done it, but just in retrospect with maturity and you know, living a life outside of the college bubble. Um, and even while I was in it, I knew it wasn't totally my thing. So that, I guess, would be my answer to that question. Literally took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was also in Greek life and yeah. I was really into it at the time, like in leadership positions and stuff. But I think 
you know, being out of it with like, you know, to your point, kind of like the lens looking back mm-hmm. and kind of understanding like all the systemic issues and like the inherent like elitism that goes into just like being part of a group like that. Yep. I mean, it, it, you know, sometimes you have to be in something to change it from the inside, but um, yeah, I totally yeah. Un- relate. And I saw on LinkedIn, you were an A5 and I was an yeah. SDT. So, oh my God. Jewish LML. sorority things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Um, something we always try to ask people is kind of what has your post-grad life been like since you graduated and how have your plans changed compared to your initial post-grad vision that you had for yourself? Love that. I think I was born to be in my mid-20s living in New York. Okay, so I didn't really have any plans when I graduated. I knew that I wanted to move back to um, New York and move into New York City, which I was lucky enough to be able to do. I received an offer for a full-time job at um, a healthcare public relations agency that I had interned at during my senior year. So part of my communications and leadership um, degree required a semester-long internship and like a um, correlated course, you know, with like an advisor helping me through that interview. I mean, internship process, whatever. So they gave me a full-time offer for the New York City office, which was really cool and lucky. So I moved to the city with two friends from school, which was really fun. We moved to Murray Hill. Um, Pretty basic, but (laughs) basic for a reason because it was really fun and I think a great way to segue into the post-grad life um, because I knew a lot of people within like a very few block radius, which sort of I personally felt was helpful in terms of like, like I said, segueing from college to the real world. It was sort of an in-between like purgatory, but a fun purgatory. Um, And what I like about post-grad life now, I mean, everything's changed because of the pandemic. So it's like, I want to say post-pandemic life, but it's just like pandemic life is forever. But don't say that. (laughs) But like, but in an okay way, like the way Mm. that, I mean, I don't think that we... I think I think you guys might be like a year or two behind me, yeah. maybe or maybe not. But yeah, like we were freshmen in 2016. So. Yeah, okay, so we're the same age basically. I'm not gonna date myself, but um, <laughs> or age myself. But the way that people say, like after 9/11, everything changed, and we don't necessarily remember what life before that was like. Mm. Um, just in terms of like you know, even the little things, like obviously you go to the airport and there's TSA security and you know, X, Y, Z. So like in this pandemic, post pandemic world, like it will be normal to see people wearing masks um, yeah. and stuff like and that. working so remotely. Yeah, exactly. Like the yeah. future of work is like so different than what we ever could have imagined pre pandemic. Um, but post-grad life for me now has been pretty great. I love it. I'm thriving. I have to say. Nice. Yeah. Love to hear that. <laughs> and I think that's like, it is a good point to bring up that like post pan this is something I've been grappling with that yeah. post pandemic life isn't necessarily like bad. It's like like you said, it'll never go back to the way that it was pre pandemic, but that isn't necessarily a bad, a bad thing. thing. It's just a new thing. Right. And we're all learning thing. to navigate. Yeah. An evolved thing. Love that. <laughs> My parents are um social workers. They met in social work school. And so something that they always would say is that differences are not deficits so just because which I use and all the time like when I'm giving advice to friends when I'm just you know getting in a personal spiral I'm like just because it's you know different 
or new doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. So Kylie, like what you were saying, it's just something that we're all, I think, coming to terms with. Yeah. I feel like oh, I love that. Growing up with social worker parents, you must be like so emotionally intelligent, like from when you were like a kid. That's yeah. awesome. We talk about our feelings a lot. That's good. Yeah, it's great. I've had like three therapists my whole life. <laughs> Love that. Um, so transitioning a little bit into Catalyst 20, yes. obviously we're super excited to chat with you about that and learn a little bit more about this platform. So what inspired you to start Catalyst 20 and have you always been into social entrepreneurship and activism in this way? I love this question. I'm so excited to talk about Catalyst 20. It's like my favorite thing that I've ever done. Um, so Catalyst 20 was founded in, you guessed it, 2020, um, sort of following the national public reckoning with race and privilege and systemic issues in our country. Um, two friends and I, so there were three of us who founded Catalyst 20, realized that there was a gap in the market for Gen Z and millennial women specifically or female identifying people um, because we noticed that on our you know Instagram feeds and our Instagram stories there were a lot of black squares there were a lot of infographics and quotes and imagery of protests um, people were signing petitions that had never seen a petition before people were you know call making calls to action on their personal platforms that we didn't even know like that you know weren't necessarily doing that before so we hoped, that there would be some sort of sustainability in that movement of people who ne weren't necessarily taking action before um, that period. And we personally were not aware of a resource or a service or a platform that was doing that. So we decided to create it. And we chose um, to make Catalyst 20 an email newsletter specifically. That's our core um, product because we wanted to make it really concise and uh, tangible and digestible. So every Monday morning, you can expect an email in your inbox that you can start off your weekly routine on the right foot. You know exactly what you're getting in terms of, you know, a intro, couple intro paragraphs, some tangible action items, a recommendation for further learning and engagement. And then, you know, you can continue on with your day and by participating in that on a sustainable or on a recurring basis, um, we developed the, the model so that it would be a sustainable form of activism um, to sort of prevent the performative activism that we were worried was um, taking place in the moment. Yeah, I think that's so true is like when you're in the moment and there's a big news story, like everyone does feel compelled to get involved, but then yep. it kind of trails off. People, you know, have their stuff going on in their own lives and they, you know, don't quite make it part of their routine to like digest important content. So I think the fact that you're kind of, you know, pulling out what's important, putting it into one, you know, nice package, tying it with a bow and sending it out to people's inboxes is so important. And especially like focusing on this demographic. Um, so I'm, Totally love everything you're doing. And a lot of times when we have like entrepreneurs on the show, we are always curious to hear like where their name came from. So I know you kind of alluded to like 2020s. So I'm not sure, but yeah. <laughs> how'd you come up with Catalyst 20? We came up with Catalyst first 
because we knew that we wanted the name to represent what it was that the product was going to be. Sounds obvious, but our we view our email newsletters as sort of a catalyst for social change. And like by engaging with the content, you then become a catalyst for change. Um, so we thought that was cool. And it just like sounded, you know, kind of spot on, on brand, whatever. And then so we went through the incorporation and trademark process because we wanted to, you know, take Catalyst to the next level. And Catalyst is a pretty popular name for a social endeavor. So we had to add a number to our name um, for legal purposes. So that's where that part came from. And then we realized that, you know, we were founded in 2020. It was a pivotal year. And then we also realized that, you know, part of the process of coming to found this company was that there was a lot of, you know, hindsight and like retrospective mm-hmm. reflection um, based on what we had all previously been doing and what we previously been seeing. So hindsight is twenty twenty, and that in conjunction with, you know, being a catalyst is something that we wanted to embody moving forward. And a lot of your demographic is in their 20s. Yes, so that, that is too. true. Yeah. There wow. you go. Triple whammy. <laughs> Love that. We'll add that to our branding video. <laughs> um, so when you're talking a little bit about, you know, the start of Catalyst 20 and what it is, you mentioned that in the newsletters, there are action items and resources. So what are some examples of what those look like um, and what the community can expect from you every week in those newsletters? Yep. So every week our subscribers and readers can expect a email newsletter delivered straight to their inbox that has um, a couple of intro paragraphs based on a social justice issue that is timely pressing in the news, followed by two or three action items. So when we say action items, we mean things that you can click on or, you know, do within the time frame of reading the email right then and there so that you're taking action um, in the moment. So that can range from petitions to, or signing a petition to sending a templated email, um, that auto populates with, you know, specific content related to the issue that gets sent straight to your elected officials and representatives. Um, it can also range to, um, engaging in a social media, like hashtag campaign. So if there's something specific for the issue, making, Um, your voice heard and amplifying the messaging on social media. And then following that, um, we get into our keep learning section, which has a recommendation for continued engagement throughout the week. So it's not something that you necessarily are going to do in those couple minutes that you're reading the email, but there's a podcast recommendation. There's a documentary recommendation. There is an article that we think you should engage with. There's something that will continue or help you to continue your education process on that issue throughout the week. Um, and then we have some fun stuff like a newsletter spotlight, or we've had the opportunity to advertise for some really cool, sustainable, socially conscious brands, which is awesome. Cause like, I know you guys do your weekly favorites, um, mm-hmm. and we all have it. Let's be real, like the fun new products that we're trying. So we feel lucky that we've had the opportunity to kind of promote, um, socially conscious organizations, women owned businesses, et cetera. So there's a little bit of everything. Um, and we think it's a fun way to start your Monday morning. I'm like 
literally subscribing right now. Yeah. Sounds amazing. <laughs> literally. <laughs> and I really like that you have the action items, um, you know, so quick and tangible because I think sometimes people can be intimidated by getting involved in activism because they feel like it's this big commitment. You know, they don't have time to like get involved in this volunteer capacity or like they don't have time to like educate themselves on these issues. And so I think it's so great that you make them really accessible in that way and that there is an opportunity for further learning, but it's not like a big intimidating thing to take on. It's just like, here are three quick things you can do. And it's always amazing, like how much of a difference things like that do make, because even just at work, you know, we're applying for something through like the state government and getting like letters of support is like so huge to, you know, like your application and everything. So even if it feels like really menial to you, like you'd be surprised what a huge difference it makes on like the legislative side. I've I've learned apparently. Yeah. That's Um, like so amazing to hear. That's a good point. Totally. Um, And I know that, you know, part of your tagline is that you're creating a community of everyday activists, which I love. So I wanted to see if you could talk about, you know, what that means to you and how someone really can embody being an everyday activist. Yep. That is totally part of our tagline and something that we think is really important and integral to our mission and really essential and vital to the movement. Um, And so to us at Catalyst 20, being an everyday activist can mean a couple different things. It can mean you're engaging in activism every single day. Um, It can mean that, you know, you're working at a nonprofit or, um, you know, in the political sphere, making change on that level and you're every day getting down to work, putting your head down and making a difference. It can also mean that you're just kind of, you know, your everyday person who cares about the world around them, knows that there are problems, knows that there are solutions that they can be engaging with, but is sometimes not totally sure how exactly to go about making their voice heard and getting involved. And so we kind of made that initiative of being an everyday activist to encourage like, it's okay, you know, we're all in this together. Just you can be who you are, but you know that there's things that you can be doing to help make a difference. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Show Up Imperfectly, Kylie from Viv. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely, I mean, I'm 100% subscribing to this because like who you just described is 100% how I feel where you just, you are aware of the issues, but you feel like you have no idea where to start or like if anything that you're going to do is ever going to make a dent. Yep. Um, And I know that a big part of your brand as well is just helping young women filter through all the noise of social media, of the news today, um, and really help like minimize those feelings of not knowing what to do. So I'm curious how you do that for yourself. Yep. That's a huge part of what we do. And some of our action items that we actually include in our weekly newsletters are resources to help you do just that. So in addition to petitions and templated emails um, and social media campaigns, we also give recommendations to follow. So while you're scrolling through the newsletter, you can just click on like an Instagram link or a Twitter handle that we're recommending. Um, And that way you can curate your feed to not necessarily insular content that doesn't, you know, provide context and perspective because we try to be as, um, you know, diverse as possible in the perspectives that we share, which we think is so essential. But by doing that, you can curate a feed that feels at a level that you can handle. So in terms of the overload of information and the, you know, concept of doom scrolling, which 
is just mm-hmm. like getting into the spiral of either the news or Instagram and comparing yourself to people. That's one version of it or getting into like this depressive spiral of like the world's going to explode in five minutes. So what we try to do is help people curate their feeds um, in a way that is feels okay to them. So they're still learning and pushing themselves out of their comfort zone and opening their mind and eyes to different perspectives. Um, but in a way that sort of cuts through the noise, like you mentioned. And so what I do is I take my own advice. I, I follow all the people and all the accounts that, you know, I recommend in the newsletters. I, through my work with Catalyst 20, have been able to meet really inspiring, impressive, intelligent women. They've all been women, I will say, um, who are, you know, hosting podcasts on different issues like lifestyle to politics to, you know, social issues. Like I've been able to, you know, personally make relationships with people that um, are producing really awesome content. And so that's another way that I've been able to personally curate my um, news and media intake. If you weren't going to subscribe yet, you have literally all of the reasons. (laughs) So everyone needs to get on this. It sounds amazing. And I think, you know, the doom scrolling that you described is such a big thing. And you kind of are in this like weird position because you're like, I want to be informed, but also like it gets to a point where it's not productive anymore and it's not good for like your mental health anymore. So I think just knowing that like you've, you know, vetted these resources to be accurate and like digestible makes it, you know, just another reason to subscribe. So that's awesome. And I know right now um, Catalyst 20 is a newsletter, but I'm curious how you see Catalyst 20 growing and evolving in the future. Do you have plans to kind of try different mediums or something totally different with the brand? Just uh, curious if you can give us any inside scoop. Yeah, I would love to. This is like one of my favorite things to talk about. I love meeting with female entrepreneurs and talking about business, making business plans and like visions and mission statements and all that fun stuff. Um, So Catalyst 20 right now is overall we're a digital hub for activism and our main outlet and product is our email newsletter. We have an Instagram channel that we mostly use to disseminate information that we are promoting in our newsletter. So that's sort of like a secondary channel that we have. Definitely follow. Um, And then... (laughs) Yeah, link below. Well, we'll link it in the episode details. Um, And then something that we're moving forward with in the future is providing services to both influencers and companies or corporations. Um, So generating specifically tailored newsletters um, that are based on the either the influencer or the company's brand pillars slash mission and value. A proposition that they can, you know, disseminate to their followers and or employees. Um, and so we're hoping to launch that service in the new year. Ooh. So that's sort of something that we're working towards. You heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it yeah, here first. The exclusive. <laughs> Um, well, I think you for sure got two new subscribers out Yay. of Anya and I, because that's going to be the first thing that I do. Um and we are definitely excited to see how Catalyst 20 grows and evolves in the coming years. Um, but it seems like it is your side hustle right now. You mentioned you have a nine to five still. So I am curious what your nine to five entails, what yep. you're doing, and what your weekly routine looks like to fit all of this in. Yes. So Catalyst 20 is my side hustle. 
that is the truth. I have a nine to five job um, in experiential marketing, which I'm very fortunate to be able to have. I work from home, which makes having a side hustle a lot more feasible. And I think, I don't know what the statistic is, but I, if I'm not mistaken, there was like a major surge in entrepreneurialism yeah, in the pandemic, the pandemic because, totally. I mean, so many podcasts launched, so many Instagram account service platforms launched, like everyone's home. And so we all have the ability to like do what we actually want to do, which is cool. Um, so yes, I have a job and a side hustle. Um, I stay organized because I make lists for my lists. I'm like a huge post-it person, a huge to-do list person, and I don't do it on my computer. I do it handwritten. Um, that, Amen. Yeah. That's just my <laughs> personal style. No judgment to the tech people out there. Um, I'm like, whatever. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like typing as we speak. Um, it's like, it's fine. <laughs> and I, I write everything down. Honestly, that's how I stay organized. And I have calendars like right in my peripheral vision. So, if, you know, we're talking, we're in a meeting, like I can look over and be like, oh, I have something for Catalyst 20. So I might not be able to schedule this meeting at that time. Um, so it's definitely a lot of staying organized with calendars and scheduling. I love that you clued us into how you stay organized because I think that was like one of my biggest questions coming into this. Like I feel yep. like there's so much screen time with what you're doing like working from home like I'm looking at a screen all the time so I'm sure sure you are too and then also like finding media and like curating a newsletter on your computer um so it's kind of it's good to get insight into like what your process is for sure yeah there's definitely um in addition to just staying organized with like writing everything down and keeping track of everything compartmentalizing is huge which I think is like a component of that so there's times when you know I have to really buckle down and do my nine to five job and I have to take the Catalyst 20 hat off. Um, mm. But then on the weekend and after work, so, you know, after five or six o'clock every night when work is done, I can kind of put back on my Catalyst 20 hat and I've been able to not burn out, which is, I feel very blessed. Um, Cause I know that that's like a concern with a lot of entrepreneurs is that, um, that are also working a nine to five job and having a side hustle is the fear of burnout, but I've been able to manage it, I think, because I give myself like one full day a week. So it's usually Saturday where I'm not thinking about anything work related. Like I wouldn't schedule it. It kind of seems obvious to someone who has like a nine to five job, but if you're an entrepreneur or have a side hustle, you know that, you know, the hustle culture is real and like you and you know productivity culture is so or at least for me it kind of infiltrates my every thought I'm like oh it's a Saturday and I'm laying on the couch like I should be doing something um but I've actually had a shift where I give myself the time to lay and reset and rejuvenate and just do whatever it is that I want to do like if I want to you know go to brunch that and that's what is going to rejuvenate me like that works um but the point is that I'm not working. And so then that kind of lets me reset for Sunday, which is sort of like a work day for me because Catalyst 20 comes out Monday mornings. Um, and I'm a little bit of a procrastinator. So <laughs> if you've ever hung out with me on a Sunday, you know that I'm like, I need to go home and write Catalyst 20. Um, yeah, so compartmentalizing is definitely something that has helped with organizing. 
Yeah, compartmentalizing is something that I have recently started using because the planner that I got, because I'm also a pen to paper type of planner, <laughs> um, it has like a personal to-do list section and a work to-do list section. Life-changing. It is life-changing because I'm able to put like my nine to five stuff into the work to-do list. And then I use the personal one for like podcasts, social media related stuff. Yep. And it's just, it changes your life. It really does to like bucket it all. Um and like have those two things as separate things. And from nine to five, I have that one to-do list to yep. work off of. And then after hours or before I log on, I have a different one to work off of. So definitely a good tip. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. And I'm um, going to need I'm, a link to your planner because I love that. <laughs> yes. It's actually a digital – I'll get into it later. Okay. But it's a digital planner through like your iPad, but you use like an Apple Pencil. So it's like the best of both worlds. I love – I actually – I can get behind week. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But I'm also glad that you brought up learning to like sort of push down the voices of hustle culture and just like recognize when you need a break. And I'm curious what some of your favorite ways to practice self-care and mindfulness in such busy times and when you're giving yourself those breaks. What are some of your favorite practices um, to bring in? Yeah. Um, I love that question because it's so mental health is so important. Like anything that we're talking about today and in any episode that you guys do or in any conversation in life, like if you're not in the right headspace and by right headspace, I just mean like a healthy headspace, then like nothing, You that's it. That's the end of the story. Like you can't do anything else after that, or at least that's how I see it. Um, so some things that I've been able to implement are I live in New York City and I live near I live on the east side, so I've been going before work on like a 45-minute walk on the East River, which has been an amazing way to start my day. I get some sunshine, especially now that it's like pitch black starting at 3 p.m. Um, I, you know, feel the sun. I feel the breeze. I get to see human beings outside, put my feet on the ground, like listen to music, listen to a podcast. I also have the Calm app, which I love. And they have, I don't do the meditations, I'm going to be totally honest, but I listen to a lot of their meditative playlists. So there's ones that are for waking up. So, you know, when I get back from my walk and I'm making my coffee and sitting down to write my to-do list for the day, I'll listen to some like sound waves that help me get into the flow and sort of slowly wake up my brain and my body to the day um, instead of jumping out of bed quickly brushing my teeth, still being in my pajamas and sitting at my desk, which I've been totally guilty of. Um, but I have better days mentally and physically and productivity wise, however you want to measure that. Um, when I start my day with that morning routine of like going outside, going on a walk, sitting down, writing my list in a calm headspace. So that's definitely a couple practices that I've been implementing. Yeah, I love that your self-care tip was like having a slow morning because I am such an advocate for having a slow morning. Like I just am never in the right headspace if I'm getting up and I'm rushing and I don't have an outfit planned and I'm just like all over the place. Like I feel like it just sets your day up with such bad energy. So like Mm -hmm. making the space and prioritizing, like having that like sacred time before like the day takes all the energy out of you is so important. And I love that. Yeah. Um. And you mentioned that, you know, you've been walking every day. So I was curious to ask, like, what's one habit that you hope to build or work on in the next year, whether it's like continuing your walks or something different? 
Yeah, that's, I'm so glad you asked that question because it's Tuesday. So obviously on Mondays, I'm always like, oh, what can my new goals be? So one of my new goals that I set was to continue prioritizing movement. And mm-hmm. so it's getting colder out, like we talked about already, which I'm dreading, but um, I'm lucky that my building that I live in has a gym in the building. So I know that once it starts getting too cold for me to go on my daily walks, which have obviously brought me joy and helped me start my day on a good note, I'm going to try to like morph that habit into just walking on the treadmill. Um, so just sort of like transferring it and not letting the external circumstances like get in the way of the habits that I've been trying to build. So I guess it's not necessarily a new habit, but it's just the continuation of this positive habit is something that I'm hoping to continue. Nice. I like that, that mindset. Yeah. Or like the way that you phrase that. Um, and then, so for this next question, I like kind of selfishly wanted to answer <laughs> to this because I've always wanted to move to New York City, but what's one thing that any young woman thinking about moving to NYC should know? Love that. It's not like sex in the city. I don't know where, how they <laughs> get it. the money to afford those clothes and that lifestyle. Granted, I think it starts off when they're like in their 30s. So they're definitely like a little bit ahead of where we are now. I don't know who's listening, but at well, least. Well, Carrie's a writer though. So nothing how adds ahead up. could she really be? <laughs> yeah. Miranda, I get. She's Harvard educated. Like she's a boss. Mm-hmm. And by the way, sure. I'm a Miranda and some people will be like, no. I'm a Miranda. And I'm like, yes, everyone should want to be a Miranda. Yep. I'm a Miranda with a Carrie rising. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I've never watched. Um, Oh, well, this is your sign. Yeah. Anya, you give me like Carrie energy and maybe a little Samantha energy. I feel like you just said that was bad. Or not Samantha, not Samantha, (laughs) Charlotte. No, no, Carrie's just a writer living in like a gorgeous one bedroom apartment. So it's just unrealistic. But I love Carrie. Yeah, they're all amazing. They all have their own good qualities. It's like a zodiac (laughs) sign. Like nothing is bad. They just have their different attributes. Um, I'm like, I'm going to have to research this. (laughs) You're a a Carrie-Charlotte hybrid, not a Samantha hybrid. You're not a Samantha. (laughs) Samanthas are great, but you're not a Samantha. Like I'll have to do some reading to see if you're just like – under the radar shitting on me yeah, right now. Yeah, we could now, be insulting you to your I face without you knowing it. We're not, though. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, okay. yeah, New York City. New York City. <laughs> it's not like Sex in the City after that whole tangent. Um, it is amazing. I – and if my friends are, or anyone I know is going to listen to this, they're going to laugh because I'm, like, the biggest New York City advocate. I think it's the greatest place in the world. Um, I feel so lucky – to be able to live here. Um, but I think that people who are thinking about moving here should know that it is expensive and budgeting. I know you guys just did an episode on finances and budgeting for women in their 20s. Listen to that episode um, <laughs> because it's a serious thing that I've had to learn and implement um, to be able to maintain having fun and a social life with also literally being able to afford to live here, which is a huge thing. And I think it's kind of goes hand in hand with something that I'm, I'm big on like women talking about their salaries and finances. I think that's really important to like destigmatize those conversations. So, you know, me and my friends were always talking about how much our rent is. And like, if someone else wants to make a dinner plan, it's like, no, I actually can't this week. Um, have to make certain sacrifices. So 
I think that's an important thing to think about um, if you want to move to New York City, of course, the like realistic financial implications, but then also just get ready to have the best time of your life because there's really no place like it. And I think that every young person, if they're able to, should try to take advantage of the opportunity of living in New York City for some period of time. I love it. That's my sign. I'm yeah, yeah, come on. I'm like, Kylie, You'll are you on Zillow yet? <laughs> Street easy? Is that right? what you guys use? No. Yeah. Anya sent me a job uh, a job posting. I'm like not planning on leaving. If anyone from my work is listening <laughs> to this, I'm not planning on leaving my job. But Anya just like randomly sent me a job listing for a marketing position in New York City. Ooh. And I was like, oh. It was that like Saks Fifth it. Avenue or something too. Yeah. yeah I don't know like, why LinkedIn was suggesting this to me. It was like, you might be interested. And I was like, yes, D. Like, You're like, I'm you not, but me? I have a friend. I'm like, no overlap. But um, yeah, I'm not leaving my job. I swear, I swear to God. I'm like for legal reasons. <laughs> yeah, for legal reasons, this is a joke. <laughs> cool. Well, one question that we always ask, which I know is a hard one, but yeah. if our listeners were to only take away one thing from our conversation and all the awesome things we talked about today, what would you want it to be? I mean, this is not a hard question for me, girls. The answer is subscribe to Catalyst 20. <laughs> True. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> if, I mean, um, there's a lot of, you know, I could say a lot of other things, but I think that's the main takeaway for today. Agreed. I love it. And that segues perfectly into our next question, which is where can listeners find you and Catalyst 20? Yes, you can find us at underscore Catalyst 20 underscore on Instagram, which we will put in the episode notes below. And also, <laughs> you know it, um, we can, or I'm saying we as if I'm like the one who's going to be doing that. There will also <laughs> be a link to subscribe to the newsletter. Um, we don't really have a website. We're working on that. But, you know, we'll show up in your inbox if you are generous enough to provide us with your email address. We would be so grateful. <laughs> I'm like, have it, bestie. All the email addresses. (laughs) Say less. Say less, queen. (laughs) So we always end off our guest episodes with a fun game of this or that in which we ask you very high stakes, very pressing, very important questions. And the first one is subway or cab? Or I guess Uber. Maybe that's more modern phrasing. (laughs) I mean, like I – the right – I don't know. Um, it depends. <laughs> like if I'm not in a rush, I'll take the subway. Mm-hmm. But if it's like I'm annoyed to begin with and not in the mood to deal with like heat or people, I will take a cab or an Uber. This came up in our last episode. You said like what Yeah, like a so philosophy. I follow a girl I follow a girl on TikTok who also lives in New York City. Uh-huh. Um and she lives by the no sober Ubers philosophy so for her she's like if I haven't had a lick of alcohol I will always take public transit or I'll walk um but if she is drinking that's when she'll allow herself to take an uber I'm like that's a great I love that I like that I real. I'm gonna implement that and also by the way I forgot that walking was an option because I would like walking would be my first (laughs) choice for sure right (laughs) yeah yeah for sure so the next one is wake up early or sleep in on a work day wake up early on a weekend, I'm sleeping till noon. Balance. We yeah. love her. Yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> I can't sleep in. 
I'm, I'm one of those people that Carly's sleep a psycho. at 6.30 no matter what. Um, yeah, when Kylie sleeps over. I don't like it. But as long I have as, as you're alarm. rested, that's fine. Yeah. She's like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, it's like totally fine. I can go to bed at 3 a.m. and I still wake up at 6.30, but I'm fine. I'm fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, like we'll, we'll be like out and I'll have to set an alarm at like 9 just because I know Kylie will have already been sitting there for like three hours and I feel bad. I'm Aww. like, I did Pilates. <laughs> No, don't lie. You just watch TikToks until I come in. A hundred percent. One time I brought a book to her house. Yeah. And I read. That's so cute. But um, next is one is. is donut or bagel? Bagel. Savory breakfast, nice. unite. Yeah. Oh my Important. God. Savory everything forever. I always have to end on salty. Yes. And that's the Jewish Ooh. in us. Yeah. Oh, is that a thing? <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I always have to end on sweet, so it could be a thing. Mm. Look at that. Mm. <laughs> um, the next one is book binge or movie marathon? Book binge. Oh, Are you reading anything I right now? This. Yes. It is called the um, – like It's a test. <laughs> this is literally yeah. – I'm like looking over at my nightstand. I forget what it's called, but it's about this like British guy falling in love with his neighbor. Oh. I bought it at a thrift Ooh. store. It was like three dollars. Oh, I love that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but it was like a New York Times bestseller. So clearly, oh. I'm falling asleep like a few pages in each time I read. But it's okay. Are you a fiction gal in general? I tend to buy more nonfiction because I'm mm. like I want to learn all of the things. Um, but then I realize that that's like not relaxing to read before mm-hmm. bed which is usually when I like to read because like I said, it kind of sometimes will put me to sleep. So short answer, fiction when I'm trying to relax, but I love nonfiction. Yeah. I feel like where I've landed with that is I really like to listen to nonfiction and I like to read fiction. I don't know why, but. I like that. Yeah. Because I feel like reading nonfiction feels a little bit like an assignment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels like a little like school. Yeah. (laughs) It's totally homework. (laughs) triggering yeah (laughs) and the last one music or podcast on your nyc walks so it's not personal but music i'm like (laughs) (laughs) you're not listening to exclusively two degrees hotter every time you go on a walk rude canceled (laughs) i'm listening to it every tuesday but all the other days of the week i'm listening to music do you have a favorite genre or artist um, I definitely vary the spectrum. Like Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber, obsessed. But also, I would consider myself like a deadhead. I love the Grateful Dead and jam bands mm-hmm. and, you know, classic rock. So She's got range. She's got really range. Yeah. <laughs> like if I put my whole music library on shuffle – it's a really fun game of like what's gonna come on next. <laughs> um, Anya, you can cut this out, but are you mentally and physically prepared for the ten minute version of All Too Well? Don't cut I'm this not. out. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I won't. <laughs> I am. Um, you can keep it in in case it's just tangential. Yeah, on the very long. <laughs> um, I am so excited. I'm like gonna buy snacks for the occasion. Me and my roommate have a plan. We are clearing our calendars and having a listening and watching party. Do you watch – what's that channel, Kylie, with Bonnie Rebecca that does the reacts? Oh, chat reacts. Chat reacts. 
it's this it's YouTube channel so where they funny. like yeah they film their first impressions to like different albums and they always do the Taylor Swift ones and it's hilarious like oh my God. seeing their when it's, they realize things and like it's so good they'll like listen to thirty set or like three seconds of the song and they'll be like okay so that lyric was offensive and here's <laughs> why and they'll go into the whole history and I'm like yes I live for it it's wait so I funny. that's like what I do so I need to get in on that yeah yeah would love it I'm like get into the um, space record yourself yeah. <laughs> I'm very express. Yeah. I'm very I'm, facially expressive, so I think that that could be same. good, a good outlet <laughs> yeah. for me. Um, but yeah, I don't know about you, but I was a huge fan of that the show Teen Wolf in high school. I was and not. So the guy who's supposed to be starring in the All Too Well short film is from Teen Wolf, and when I saw that it was him, I I nearly like didn't make it. I was like, this is it, the announcement's going to take me out. Like I'm not going to make it. So yeah, I'm. Not gonna be okay. So next you're... week, Ivani's doing a solo episode. I didn't survive. So. <laughs> yeah, the premiere was but. originally scheduled. I know it was originally scheduled for the nineteenth, and then the, she moved yeah. it to the thirteenth, right? And I was so glad because the nineteenth is my birthday, and I was like, everyone's gonna be in a weird ass mood if this thing comes out on the nineteenth. <laughs> I show up to your house on your birthday, and I'm just like, it's like totally fine. It's <laughs> just the ten minute version of All Too Well. But like, yeah, we can celebrate. I'll just sob in the corner. It'll be fine. So hopefully everyone has like a little bit of recovery time. And yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> and then we can rage. <laughs> and like, and by rage, I mean drink wine and eat cheese. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the that's ideal a- birthday celebration. And that's yeah. on turning 24. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that's anyway. all we really have for this episode today. Yes. Cool. Well, it was so great speaking with both of you. I hope everyone enjoyed it as well. Yes, yeah, I know no, I thank did. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. For sure. Yeah, and like we said, we will have everything linked down below. Definitely go subscribe to Catalyst 20, follow them on Instagram, um, and all of our links are down below as well. Our Instagram at 2 degrees hotter, our anonymous suggestion box if you have any suggestions for episode ideas, um, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps us out. And I think that is all the housekeeping items for this episode. Yes, it is. So we will chat with you guys next Tuesday. And thanks so much again, Emma. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye, everyone.